Hello and welcome to another episode of the Just Some Magic podcast. I am your host, Morgan, and here on Just Some Magic, we like to share people's most magical moments in and out of the theme parks. So whether you're counting down the days till your next vacation or you're just on your way to work wishing to be going to a more magical place, this is the podcast for you. Today's guest is Chelsea, who got to see an advanced screening of the newest live-action Disney movie, Cruella. She shares all about her magical moment going back to the theaters and especially at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Later on in the interview, we do talk light spoilers about the movie. And don't worry, we'll give you a heads up. So if you want to avoid spoilers, you can skip over that part. But also stay tuned to the very end to hear a listener story sent in by you, the fans. If you have a magical moment that you would like to share, please go to justsomemagic.com and click on the share your magic button to submit your story. But now on with the show. so excited about this guest today. She got to experience something absolutely incredible and before everybody else. And today we have Chelsea from Sprinkled by Magic. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. Thanks for having me. I am so stoked to have you on. This was totally last minute. You literally got to see the premiere of Cruella. Was it yesterday or two days ago? Uh, It was a couple of days ago. Yeah, two days ago now. So I I saw a press screening the day after the world premiere. Oh my gosh. And I reached out to you and I was like, girl, I want to get you to talk about it. We already got, I already had in my back of my mind that I wanted to uh, get you and Tiffany also on the show as well. The other person you share your Instagram with, but this just turned, worked out so perfectly. And we're recording this a week before it airs and before the movie releases, but I'm so excited excited to have you on. I'm so excited to be here. I love you and I love your podcast and I'm oh. sure Tiffany would love to be a guest at some point too. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're so kind and you guys give such fun Instagram like Disney bounds and behind the scenes stuff. So I'm so excited to deep dive into this, but I kind of want to get a background of you. Let's do it. What do you want to know? What got you into Disney and what your background is and stuff and why you love it? Personally, I cannot remember a time when Disney Disney was not part of my life. It feels like nothing got me into Disney, but I was just born already a Disney lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember watching Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella mm-hmm. on repeat when I was a kid. Those were like my favorites that I just constantly watched. And the Mad Hatter always resonated with me. And I still oh. consider myself a Mad Hatter. Uh, basically, oh. I'm a woman of many hats, meaning I do a lot of different types of jobs in the entertainment industry, Mm -hmm. and I must be absolutely mad to do that. But, you know, all the best (laughs) people are. I love that. That's so amazing. And what kind of jobs have you done in the entertainment industry? So at the age of 14, I started writing for Teen People magazine. (gasps) Oh, From there, uh, I like so I was interviewing a lot of pop groups like NSYNC and things like that. And I fell in love with Hanson. And then I started uh, working in the music industry, doing promotional tours for various record labels that led to a career of me touring the world with various rock and pop bands for about 10 years, including Hannah Montana for those Disney lovers out there. 
Uh, It was Hannah Montana, the best of both worlds tour, where she performed one set as Hannah, one set as Miley, and then the Jonas Brothers opened. Wonderful tour. Uh, Oh my gosh. That's like every like teenager's dream around that time. Oh my gosh. It was the tour of the time. And what's really funny was going into it when I got it, I knew more about Billy Ray Cyrus than I did about Hannah Montana. And then of course, (laughs) fell in love with the show. Yes. But yeah, so that, that's basically where I started. Kind of came from music industry and as a journalist, and then uh, that eventually evolved to me being an actor here in LA. And so I'm currently an actor, a journalist, and a pop culture influencer, where I just basically get paid to be a nerd, and I'm very okay with it. Literally, you've literally had all these dream jobs, and being paid to be a nerd is the dream job. Oh, f- for sure. What kind of things have you been acting in? How long have you been doing that? Like, what do you love about it? Like, I'd love to hear more because I'm not an actor or actress. I have I lived in California for a bit, but I have no idea of the industry and what is asked of you and stuff, and especially now with COVID and everything, too. Yeah, so when I was a child, I did some background acting in the movie Sidekicks. My mom was a martial artist. She had a self-defense school and they brought a lot of the local schools in for that tournament scene. And so then like, I kind of knew that you could get paid to be just in a background of, of a movie. And so Mm -hmm. in college, I went to university of Texas, Austin for a few years. They would, they were just starting to film a lot in Austin. So I would do it as like a side job between classes and stuff to earn some extra money. And then when I eventually, uh, I went from Austin to Chicago to Los Angeles. And then around the time I was looking to leave the music industry and I didn't know what I wanted to do, I ended up being eligible for SAG-AFTRA because I had a radio show. And I was just like, well, this feels like a gift to be part of the union. And I just started to do more background work, which led to stand-in work, which has led to a couple of lines here and there, you know, just, I'm just kind of going with the flow and seeing what happens. Yeah. A natural progression. I like it. And like you said, you did a radio show. I got to tell you guys early on when my podcast, Chelsea helped me out big time. I was getting a static in my mic and I literally put on my Instagram like does anybody know anything about this? Like I keep getting a static what is going on and she helped me. It was a true lifesaver. So thank you so I'm much so for glad that. I could help. It's one of those things when you're far away and you can't look at the equipment. You're yes. like I don't really know what's happening, but try these things. Yes. And you have a very good like radio voice. Oh, thank you. I love it. I love it. And it's probably- actually my current like goal within SAG for acting is I just want to do voiceover. And specifically, mm-hmm. I want to do audiobooks. Oh, okay. If you could, this is my planned question, but if you could do an audiobook for a current book, what would you want to do it for? Oh my goodness. I have no idea. That's such a great question. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's so many like those Wicked Tales stories for Disney that come out. Those would be a lot of fun. I feel like you could like have an, would you, would you be the kind of voiceover person that does audiobooks that does multiple voices for different characters or would you just kind of like keep your same voice and like slightly change like the tone of it? The tone for sure. Okay. Okay. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Well, you've had a very creative background and you're still doing it. So you guys, all of her links will be down in the show notes if you guys want to check her out and also Tiffany as well. They do amazing stuff, like I said earlier, but now we'll kind of deep dive into some questions to get to know you even more. 
but I kind of already asked you why you love Disney. But my next question is, what character do you most identify with that you're most similar to? I know you mentioned the Mad Hatter, but is there another one that you just truly identify with? I actually have a trifecta. It's three characters that if you put all of them together, it makes up me. So the Mad Hatter, obviously, as I mentioned before. Archimedes from Sword in the Stone oh, and Megara from Hercules. That is a very unique combination. Even yeah. just one of those alone is a unique characteristic and personality. But okay, I want you to break down each of them and why. I mean, the Mad Hatter, you already mentioned, you wear many hats, but Archimedes and Meg. Megara is a strong, independent woman. She can do everything herself, but is also somewhere deep inside. But she's put up these walls she got really hurt by love and Mm -hmm. but if you get past the wall she's a hopeless romantic and I feel like that hard edge mixed with the delicate flower is very much me also she's sarcastic like Archimedes and I'm very sarcastic but uh, I also feel like as I get older Archimedes is kind of like that old crotchety get off my lawn type character and I'm feeling that more and more these days oh for sure I definitely can relate to him as well I actually just did an interview the same day as doing the recording this interview and we were talking about magic happens and um sword in the stone and how like you know people forget about that movie and I'm like I just love Archimedes he's so grumpy and like this isn't gonna work can I just say though and the magic happens float when they announced there was gonna be a sword in the stone float I was like yeah Yes, this movie gets no love in the parks. Nice. And then, like, I feel like they phoned in Archimedes. It looks like a plushie of an owl on a bad rotating <laughs> stick. And I was just like, really? <laughs> like, really, though? <laughs> I I wish they had a little more, like, character and mannerisms as well. Did you notice? My, my guest I recorded with didn't notice either. But there's two squirrels on top of it as well. I did notice. For the transformation when, you know, I love the little girl squirrel. She's like and like wants to like love on Arthur as um, Merlin as a squirrel is like the cutest Disney animal I've ever seen in my life okay wait wait well what about Yzma as a kitty oh definitely a close close second yes and she's like is that my voice <laughs> like I'm not my voice yeah. <laughs> I'm not a voice actress but like that's the Oh, I I just watched that one the other day as well. But the thing about Sword in the Stone and the Magic Happens um, I was chatting with my other guest about was people forget about that movie. And so seeing that float in the parade, it made them want to go rewatch it and give that movie some new love and light and stuff, which I think is fantastic. Speaking of movies that need a little bit more love and light, though, why does nobody ever talk about the Black Cauldron? Okay, no joke. Two days ago, I watched this whole video about the Black Cauldron and the history of how it was made and what happened and the cuts and the changes in the artist and it was so fascinating but maybe it's just a little too dark that like kids didn't really there's not a sentimental attachment to it like you know Little Mermaid or Peter Pan and stuff like that. I didn't see that. It definitely gets darker the way that like a lot of the films that Walt was part of got darker like there's moments in Pinocchio that terrify the crap out of me you know um (laughs) and and also in Snow White when they're in the forest and like uh but I also just kind of felt like Black Cauldron was Disney's love letter to Lord of the Rings yeah and I am a huge 
huge Lord of the Rings fan. So like that just always made me so happy. <laughs> Professional nerd. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and Gurgi just like felt like the perfect little golem like hobbit kind of. And Gurgi's just adorable with his munchies he, and crunchies. He is. I need to rewatch that one. That's been a couple of years for sure since I've seen that one. But you said you traveled a lot and you mo- lived in a lot of places. Uh, which Disney parks have you been to? I've been to Walt Disney World. That was my home park growing up. Uh, I did a lot of like dance competitions there as a kid. Uh, I go to Disneyland all the time now because I'm by Anaheim. And I've also been to Disneyland Paris. I need to pick your brain later about Disneyland Paris because that's the next one I want to go to for sure. You definitely got to visit the Ratatouille area and eat at Shea Remy. It's so oh, good. my goodness. And we're going to get it here in Epcot, which is exciting. So I'm excited for that to come to here. You've done a lot in the entertainment business, but if you could work any role at a Disney park, what role would you want to be and why? Ooh, in the parks. Interesting. I actually do have a dream job I'm currently chasing at Disney, but it's in the studio system. Ooh, um, go for it. But... And the parks, uh, probably being a stage manager for one of the shows. Ooh, do you have a specific show in mind? Uh, well, if I can bring one back from the dead, the Mad Tea Party. Oh my goodness. Okay, when I moved out to California, I, they didn't have it running anymore, but everybody talked so highly of the Mad Tea Party and how much fun it was. And I can only live through people's memories. Like, I, I have no idea what it was like. So that is so the cool. The years of Mad Tea Party were probably the best years of my life. And can you describe it a little bit to people that didn't get experience it or don't know? So the Mad Tea Party, and this is T, just the letter T, and, and instead of sp- spelling out the word, that's what it was called. It was the Mad Tea Party. Uh, was the characters from Alice in Wonderland performing as a band and dance party for four hours in DCA every night. And you had the rock band, which was made up of the Mad Hatter who sang, Alice who also sang, the March Hare and the um, Dormouse as your guitar and bassist. The, oh uh, the Cheshire Cat was your drummer and the Caterpillar was on keys. Uh, they would do a 30 minute set of rock songs and pop songs from the 60s to present day. And, and this included like Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Queen, all sorts of amazing stuff. And, and Prince even. Uh, and then modern stuff like Kelly Clarkson and American Authors. And then when they would leave, for th- uh, there would be a 30 minute dance set by the White Rabbit DJ. And the Tweedledee and Tweedledum were our hosts that would walk around and interact with everybody. And there was the House of Cards that were our dancers throughout the night. And they had themed cocktails. And so the band did four sets a night and White Rabbit did four sets a night. And it was just so much fun. Uh, Being a rock chick, you know, I grew up in the music industry. Combining that with Disney was the best thing that's ever happened. That sounds absolutely incredible. And I, no one explained it to me in that way. And I'm like, man, I wish I saw this. That is so cool. And the costumes were fantastic. Oh, yeah. I have seen a picture or two. That'd be so great. Okay. If you could be in a Disney stage show, what stage show would you want it to be? Oh, my. I've never even considered being in a stage show. I mean, you are an actress. So, I mean, <laughs> there is this possibility. Uh, I, it's so funny because some actors are very th- a theater and some are very film and TV and some blend the line. I very much prefer film and TV over live audience. I don't know. that Maybe... Maybe the old Aladdin show from the Hyperion. Oh, okay. just being like in the chorus of that, just that could be fun. Ensemble, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, yeah. I again, 
something that was gone by the time I moved out there and I never got to see it again, but I heard wonderful things and I've looked it up on YouTube. The genie was hilarious. It was amazing. Oh, I miss the genie so much. Love all of his like pop culture references and everything yes. like Taylor Swift or Kim Kardashian. And every time you saw the show, he had fresh jokes. So it was always something new. Oh my gosh. That is incredible. I love that. What are you currently doing? I am currently an actor here in Los Angeles. Uh, and work is actually heavier than it's ever been with the pandemic. There was such a backup in production. So there's a bunch of productions that were in the middle of filming that needed to finish. There was a bunch that should have filmed between March and October that then now needed to film. Then there was all of the normal content that was going to film at this time. Plus, we launched three streaming services during the pandemic that all want to have original programming on top of all of the other services, the linear TV stations, what? the cable channels. It, and, and then feature films on top of that. So I have been working nonstop on set pretty much since we figured out a way to safely return to set. And it's been amazing. Wow. What a time to thrive as an actor and actress. That is so cool. Well, the reason I asked that again specifically is because which Disney character would you like to be your coworker or also like work alongside, whether it be your co-star or something like that? Character or somebody that already portrayed the actor like are we talking Susan Egan because she was Megara or are we talking Megara we are talking yeah Megara like the Disney characters pulled from with their whole personality and everything I mean I feel like I'm just gonna go back to my my favorites of you know the Mad Hatter and Megara I just, I, anything with them always makes me happy that would be so fun and you guys would probably get along because you know you similar personalities you can you know both sit on the side in your little actor's chairs okay my next question is if you could have any Disney animal sidekick as a pet, which one would you choose? Ooh, that's a great question. There are so many wonderful Disney animals. Oh my goodness. Mm. Um, my brain's immediately going to Pongo from 101 <gasps> Dalmatians. Goodness, is it just because we're talking about Cruella? <laughs> no, actually. I mean, my favorite Disney couple of all time is Roger and Anita. And and no one ever gives them love, but they're my favorite Disney couple. They are so underrated. So underrated. They just have a true love that, you know, sometimes don't even come across in like the princess realm, you know, with the Prince Charming and everything. Like Literally just no love for them whatsoever that comes across. But I love them. I love London in general. I'm obsessed mm -hmm. with the, the UK and Anglophile, like a true Anglophile through and through uh, before the pandemic. Since I was 18, I used to go to London at least once a year, every year and Whoa. or somewhere in England. So just everything about Roger and Anita like resonates with me, which is maybe why my brain went to Pongo. I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking I, I also really love Timon from The Lion King. That could be fun. He's a ham for sure. I feel like with Timon, you also have to get Pumbaa too. Like I, I it's it would be hard with one without the other for sure because they're just such buds. I'll, you I'll know? take both of them. That's totally <laughs> fine with me. Although my just, apartment might get smelly with Pumbaa. I was going to say, make sure you're um, upwind of Pumbaa <laughs> for sure if you can possibly avoid it. Um, okay. What is a movie that needs to be represented in the parks, either as a ride show or a meet and greet that is oh my god i have this all right <laughs> Ooh, perfect. I, I've, I've had a feeling that you would have a great answer for this and uh, i've already I've wanted to amplify this answer in a way that imagineers could hear it for a long time so like <laughs> i'm so glad to talk about this here and maybe someone listening will actually do something about this yeah, somebody take notes there needs to be an emperor's new groove ride yeah. that is yzma's <gasps> lair 
where it yes. starts with you pulling the lever. Oh my gosh, that would be incredible. And you're in that little because even in even in the movie, I literally watched it like last week. In the movie, they're like, please secure all, keep your hands, arms, legs, it and sides. It looks like people. a roller coaster. It does. That would be so cool. Oh my gosh. Imagine if all of the cast members attending the attraction were in the lab coats and goggles. Not to mention you could do like the Haunted Mansion thing where you go by a screen that makes you appear to look like you now have a lab coat on yourself. Oh, that would be so cool. And then maybe in the queue, there's like almost like an aquarium style where that alligator that when she pulls the wrong lever is in. So you see the wrong lever. Wrong lever crunk. Yep. Yo, yeah. this needs to happen. It and so needs to, I was like, this was built to be a ride. Like this scene was literally made to be turned into a ride. Ooh. Why do we not have this ride? Ooh, and what do you think about like, you know, the outside of the queue being Cusco's palace and oh, stuff? That'd be amazing. It would <laughs> be amazing. And then the old guys gotta make sure he doesn't throw off the Emperor's groove. Yep, you know? throw off the Emperor's groove. He's like hanging from something. You threw off the Emperor's groove. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so fun. Okay, how do you think? the ride should end like should it take you through the story or should it be something completely different like what are your thoughts for the rest of the ride or just straight through i think it needs to be a proper roller coaster that's more in line with like the Incredicoaster. oh okay a proper coaster i like oh my gosh this needs to happen for sure yeah that, that's my idea there you go are you listening wdi listen up out there I would love if somebody from WDI was listening. I mean, I do have two former Imagineers on the show. Maybe they know somebody. They'll know somebody. All right. So as a Disney fan, I got to ask, what is your favorite Disney item you own? Oh, that's that's really hard. I, I love them all so much. Um, I'm going to say currently. Okay. I love my Mad Hatter Loungefly bag that came out last year. Oh, yes. They're so cute. Loungefly always comes out with amazing stuff. They, they're just constantly killing it. I don't even know how they can do it. Yeah, Loungefly stuff is super adorable. Actually, uh, I always question how they're able to top their last collection. And like, mm-hmm. they're, or, and I'm like, at some point, they're going to run out of ideas, right? And they never seem to run out of, of mm-hmm. ideas. But speaking of, did you see their Alice in Wonderland Stitch Shop by Loungefly collection that just dropped today? No, I need to. I need to go look. Oh, my God. It's super adorable. And I feel so lucky. It's the first time Stitch Shop has ever reached out to us to do a collaboration. <laughs> and so I got to model from my favorite movie Alice in Wonderland and this dress uh, it's a it's a top and a skirt so cute but that's so cool you got to model oh my gosh that is so fun and they stitch shop has come out with some really cute stuff like i think it's better than disney dress shop you know and then you just see the same old same old people wearing it where like us true disney fans know to get those unique pieces that are still so cute i actually completely agree that dress shop has been kind of missing the mark lately Mm -hmm. but then uh, her universe just released a shop disney exclusive line for cruella that (gasps) is like perfect cosplay from the film and I'm just blown away in that fashion in that movie oh we'll get to it later but it looks incredible for sure my last question is since this episode is about a villain if you were forced to be roommates with a Disney villain who would it be and why roommates that Mm -hmm. is a hard one my brain like I'm going between Gaston Cruella Yzma Dr. Facilier like people whose like attitudes I feel like I could handle, but I feel like Gaston would get annoying at some point. I really also just, 
I, I think Hades could be a lot of fun. Hades might actually be it. I could see my, I could see like having like movie parties and board game nights with Hades. Yeah. Yeah. But also make sure you don't get him too mad. Otherwise, you're going to have some problems there and your apartment could get damaged. It's it's very true. I, I feel like everyone's capable of that, though. If you know. <laughs> True, 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 true. You know, you know this- if you upset Dr. Facilier, he's got friends on the other side, you know? Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, for answering all of those questions. I love your interpretation of how yourself and your trifecta of three characters. Like that was so cool. But now I'll let you get into your magical moment and share your amazing experience that you had. Well, uh, I'm kind of really excited to talk about this in a bigger way. I also have my own podcast where I have an episode that came out yesterday specifically about my review thoughts, but I didn't really talk too much about the fact that this is the first movie I've seen in a movie theater in 15 and a half months. That is incredible. Yeah. So before the pandemic, as a journalist, I would go to press screenings uh, and press screenings can take place on the studio in a private screening room or actually in a public theater, et cetera, and so forth. And I was doing that like every few days. So to go from that to not seeing a movie for like 15 and a half months was so crazy. And so I got the invite for Cruella and I was like, of course, I'm going to go see this. So I got the invite for Cruella and I was like, am I ready to go back to a movie theater? Does it feel safe to me? And I was like, you know, if I was going to go to a theater, seeing a movie with a bunch of press people, I feel like press people are more likely to be vaccinated Mm -hmm. And everyone has to wear a mask and we'll be socially distanced. So, okay, we'll do it. And then we get to the theater. Like it's, it's time for me to leave my apartment to go. And I grab my wallet and my keys and my, my cell phone. And I had this moment where I went, am I missing something? What else do you bring to a movie theater? Do I need to bring anything? What did I used to bring to a movie theater? Is it cold? Do I need to bring a blanket? Like how do movies work? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just yes. started laughing because I literally couldn't remember it's how been to go so to long. <laughs> it was the most amusing thing. And so then like I I was laughing the entire way to the movie, like drove all the way over there, which I live about 10 minutes from El Capitan Theater. So it's a quick drive for me. Oh, that's wonderful. You could almost like walk there. I could, but I am lazy. <laughs> Aha, there you go. <laughs> so so I, I get over there, I park and like, and I stopped in front of the theater for a minute and just was like, I filmed it to post on our Instagram and was just like, I'm about to go see Cruella, which is my first movie in a movie theater in forever. And I, and it's El Cap was a theater I used to go to weekly. And I like walked inside and I knew the whole staff and they've Aww. got costume pieces up from the movie. And it's, it's that same Disney magic that El Cap always brings. And I just took a moment where I got like emotionally overwhelmed And was just kind of like, I don't, I almost don't believe I'm here. And then I stepped inside the actual theater and I just, it felt like I was coming home in like a way that was different than the first time I stepped foot into Disneyland again. And I sat down in my seat, like it was all assigned seats. There was the El Capitan holds about a thousand people. There was only 50 people for the screening. So we were very spread out. Yeah, um, which was really nice. And and so I'm sitting there and I was like, oh, yeah, movie theaters like it's an experience. 
Absolutely. And I will tell you, during the movie, I kept coming back to that feeling because I've spent the last 15 months watching movies. You know, I got a screener from Mulan in advance. And I so I watched Mulan in advance on my 19 inch TV where I'm distracted <laughs> because my phone's going off and my roommate is cooking or whatever is happening. And you're not fully focused on the movie. And I don't have amazing surround sound. And so I'm watching Cruella going, wow, movies. I've taken you for granted. Also, the El Cap Theater, for those who haven't been, it is a stunning theater. It's so amazing oh. to get in there. El Cap, which has been around uh, for as long as movies have been happening in Los mm -hmm. Angeles, was actually the theater where Citizen Kane premiered back in like 1941. And oh. it has seen so much incredible, majestic art over the years and disney bought the theater in the 80s and since then it's their showcase for every disney movie that comes out and they have this little like stage show that happens before the movie like they've got different layers of a screen before it actually reveals the mm -hmm. movie screen itself so it's like different types of theatrical curtains yes. and literally when this started before cruella i was like there's just nothing like this there's there's nothing that can describe the magic of seeing a movie at El Capitan Theater. So if you've never been to El Cap and you live in LA or you're visiting LA, I highly recommend seeing a movie at El Capitan. Thousand percent. And I'll, I'll say this a little, and I did a whole dedicated episode about Sleeping Beauty and her 60th. And I got to see El Cap on the big screen, my favorite princess, not just on my TV, not on VHS, but on the big screen and watching it with a whole a ton of people. Like you said, a thousand people can fit in that theater. And just hearing people laugh at the parts I laugh at and experience that theater experience for my favorite princess was an un incredible feeling. So that in that theater is just, again, stunning, stunning. Absolutely. So you got to see Cruella and you just had this amazing feeling and stuff. Um, what kind of talk us through some of the costumes and stuff on display. And for those that haven't been to the theater, what how the theater is set up. So when you walk into El Cap, first you've got a staircase to your right and a concession stand in front of you. The staircase leads you upstairs to the balcony if you want to sit up in the balcony, which is actually where I prefer. Oh, Right now the balcony is not open, but during normal days it would be. And if the theater was at full capacity and you sit downstairs, this, the rows aren't very spacious. Uh, it's not like stadium seating at all. So mm -hmm. being five foot three, it's hard to see over the person in front of me. Oh, gotcha. So, so the balcony actually has more separation between the rows and is a little closer to stadium seating, which is why I prefer it upstairs. But so right on the other side of the concessions, they usually will have like one or two glass displays of a costume. Uh, they had one in particular, her red dress uh, that Emma Ooh. wears for Cruella. Then when you oh. walked into the theater... They have two, I, f I forget the proper term, but like in every single theater has those little like boxes you can buy on the sides that are like the upgrade fancier boxes. Oh, yes. So there's two of those at El Cap and they always do something different for every movie up there. And this time they chose to actually show two costumes, which is <gasps> rare. They don't normally do that. Mm -hmm. So there was two other Cruella looks there. Sometimes El Cap also, uh, once you go from the lobby past the concession, there's also a downstairs, which is where the restrooms are. But there's also a room down there that sometimes they'll do a full exhibit of artifacts, costumes, props, still photos, etc. from the movie. It's almost like a little mini museum almost. Exactly. 
exactly like it um so yeah so that's sort of like the layout of el cap so there was only three cruella looks on display for reference jenny bevan who's the costume designer for cruella created 47 looks for emma uh as cruella emma stone and another 33 looks for emma thompson Ooh, were all of them used or were these just all like still oh, yes. like you some definitely in- see all of them in the film so emma thompson's role as the baroness is she is the fashion designer to like that Cruella's in love with and, and like she's set the stage for everything for a, over a decade now people love her so mm-hmm. she has to have incredible fashion and Cruella is the one that wants to be a fashion designer so she also has to have incredible fashion so that's why there's so many amazing looks and that's just for Emma Stone and Emma Thompson that doesn't include all of the pieces that they're designing for the fashion lines etc yes oh my goodness and the trailer hasn't even shown it's shown a lot but not nearly as much as you're saying so like now I'm just even more excited to see the rest of the costumes that those two Emmas wear yes yes and everybody else and then not to mention you combine that with hair and makeup like this movie the 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 art alone of just hair makeup and wardrobe phenomenal should they win some awards you think (laughs) i mean we'll have to see what else comes out this year but there's Mm -hmm. definitely some praise that deserves to be given i don't know we'll see do you have a favorite look that was in the movie Hmm. that's that's might be hard to narrow down (laughs) sounds like there's a lot so (laughs) there's there's a lot and they're they're all pretty fantastic I have a rock chick aesthetic like that is where my heart naturally Mm -hmm. goes so whenever you've got sort of like a punk rock or leather jacket or especially if you're putting like combat boots or something that's not necessarily a high heel or whatever I'm Mm -hmm. in so a lot of these looks where I was just like please can I buy everything. Are, are these all available for me to purchase somewhere? Speaking of fashion, you dressed up for the event. Do you want to tell us about that? I, so basically I was doing a test makeup for a photo shoot that I would be shooting a couple of days after I saw the movie. And then while I was working on the makeup, I just was like, well, I, I guess I need to wear something else to go with it. So I just put on this black and white coat that I bought in London. Uh, that's kind of houndstooth. And then mm-hmm. some pleather tights and that was that was it it was just my casual Cruella look that I went to go see the movie in yes and you did the makeup too like you said you know testing it out it looked so good I was like wait she's totally going to go see Cruella and then I turned the sound on and I was like oh my gosh she's gonna she had the L cap like that is so incredible um is there anything else you want to share with us before we dive into some spoilers that's pretty much everything that there is to know besides talking about the movie yes all right so if you guys haven't seen it the spoiler warning we're gonna kind of I'm gonna ask very specific questions like I personally haven't seen it, but I'm very much looking forward to knowing a little bit more about it. So I think the first thing I'm going to ask is what is the overall storyline? And also in the sense of do they touch on what actually happens in like, obviously, they talk about her childhood and like how she became a fashion designer. Do they run into Pongo and party and the puppies and stuff that actually happens in 101 Dalmatians? So a couple of things. This is an origin story that I actually found this part out after I watched the movie and I did a bunch of research before my podcast that apparently they approached this film as an actual prequel and origin story for the 1990s live action. So if you haven't seen the 1990s live action with Glenn Close, I definitely suggest watching those on Disney Plus before you go to see Cruella. So the movie basically sets us up to immediately go into the Glenn Close version or 
it could possibly set us up for another film if they greenlight it that'll happen in the 80s. So this one takes us through the 60s and 70s. The Glenn Close version is in the 90s, and we'll see what happens. They don't need another film, but they could. You do run into Pongo and Perdita as puppies right at the end of the movie. Um, and we do meet our Roger and Anita. Okay, good. And other than uh, my favorite part was that you actually get to meet Anita when she's in grade school with Cruella. Like you always hear in the animation when she was like, Anita, darling, my dearly devoted old schoolmate, you know? Yes. Okay. I was going to ask because yes, she makes that line and mentions up. And I'm so glad that Roger and Anita are in it. Cause like we said earlier, they're underrated and their love story and stuff. I mean, it sounds like they're not getting totally into it, but yeah. Oh, yeah. They definitely like, I don't even think the two of them have actually really met in the mm-hmm. where the movie ends, but we definitely see both of them. Cute. I love that. I'm I'll keep a lookout for that. Because I was a little confused when I saw the trailer. I rewatched it before this interview. The fashion is very 70s. That so that makes sense that this is the prequel for the 90s Cruella DeVille or 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close, like you said. I mean, to, it's not kind of 70s. It is 70s. It the is 70s. The story is actually set in 70s London, and which is in the middle of the punk rock movement, which is also why everything looks very punk rock. Oh, I can't wait. My next question is Emma Thompson's character is, you said the Duchess? Is that what she the is? The Baroness. Baroness. I knew it was some type of What? Tell us a little bit more about her role and like what part she plays and how Cruella is in connection with her. Is like, is she an intern or is she just working under her? Like, is she bottom of the barrel? Like, was it a fashion school? Like, kind of explain a little more about that because I'm curious to so know. So, the myself. Baroness uh, is the, in my opinion, true villain of this movie. Mm. So, she's definitely. She, she doesn't let anything stop her from getting what she wants, and she definitely makes a lot of enemies in the process. She discovers Cruella when she's working at a department store in the in the 70s. I believe uh, it was Liberty uh, is the name of the store, which is closer to what like Harrods is to, for, for a more common reference in London now. But so she I was going to say Emma Cruella or <laughs> Estella is actually her birth name. And Ooh. she tr- turns herself into Cruella. Estella is working at this department store. She really wants to dress a window. The Her boss is awful and doesn't think she's worthy of anything but scrubbing toilets. She oh. gets really drunk one night and accidentally changes a window that causes her to get fired. But in the middle of being yelled at, the Baroness pulls up in front of this store and says, this window is the best thing this store has done in decades. Who did it? Oh, oh, so she works here. Well, no, I fired her. Oh, and then she has her assistant walk up and offer her a job. And so now she works for the Baroness. That is so cool. So that's basically how that connection happens. I won't go further into the actual connection of who the Baroness is to Cruella, because some things people need to actually learn from themselves but that's how they end up working together and where she kind of gets to brush up on her fashion shops that is so cool and I saw in the trailer like when they do her childhood and stuff is it a lot or is it more of a flashback uh it's it's a really quick pop that takes her I'm 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 not exactly sure exactly how old she is she could be somewhere between like seven to ten in that range um, and it's probably the first maybe 10 minutes of the movie and then quickly jumps into her being uh, an older teenager and kind of stays there for the rest of the movie. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. My next question is her obsession with fur. Does that start in this movie? Does it show where it came from or did they kind of 
that a later thing? It is a very subtle presence that definitely gives you an origin. As I remember seeing in the trailer, the the Dalmatians are growling at her and stuff when she walks in of some sort of room or whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, is she already after puppies? Because I'm now remembering slowly like the Glenn Close movie, like before she was into something else, another type of fur. And then she was like, spot so. Um, is there anything else that you think we should know before going into the movie, whether it be spoiler or not? Uh, I just would like to say that for those of you on the fence about seeing Cruella, that I think this is the most original, best executed live action film from Walt Disney since maybe the first Pirates movie. Whoa, that is some high praise because... You know, in recent years, people are kind of like, oh, live action Disney is getting a little overdone and stuff. But that is extremely high praise because there have been some good live action movies. Like I I found Cinderella and Maleficent fantastic. But you think this is better than... I I agree. There's been some great live actions. Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorites. However, it's not original. We're just retelling Mm -hmm. the story we already know. Um, Maleficent was original, but I felt like it was very middle of the road. Like it wasn't quite there where it could have been or at least I wanted more from it and Cruella just really hits the mark and I think Disney should absolutely do more of these villain origin stories. We, as we get older too, as in like kids that grew up around the 90s or watch movies in the 90s and stuff, we just have these connections to these characters. And as we get older, we're like, I don't know why, but I relate more to the villains now that have gone on to the real world. Like it makes sense. I mean, it's not even that I relate to the villains. I just enjoy knowing why they turned evil. And it also gives them mm-hmm. heart, which I think is very yes. important. Like, they're not always bad. In the animated 101 Dalmatians, Cruella just has no rhyme or reason for being evil. So I'm very excited to... She's also one of those villains that I don't really take to be a villain. She's just a fashion designer that wants to make a coat, you know? (laughs) like And kill puppies! Yes, killing puppies (laughs) is awful, and I'm not suggesting that that part of it is good. But in terms terms of villainy, like, think about what other villains have done, you know? Like, burning villages down and things like that. Lower lower on the totem pole, I guess. (laughs) I think another villain that just does things for, like, no rhyme or reason is, like, the Alice in Wonder Wonderland villain, the Queen of Hearts. Queen just, of Hearts. Just, yeah. I'm mad at you. Off with she, your head. She's angry. She's mm-hmm. just angry. She needs to go to therapy or something. She just needs more attention. That's all. So I would love if you could give us like a little Spark Notes version of your review. Um, oh, I know we should all go check out your podcast, and I'll love to put those links for your podcast in the show notes as well. But um, like you said, you know, this is a fantastic movie. What else did you think about it? I think, as I mentioned, the wardrobe, the hair, the makeup was phenomenal. I think the acting was on point and everything that they, everyone that they cast was so brilliant. Uh, Emma Stone's swagger, especially, really surprised me. I find her acting um, to not really move me a lot of the time in her previous roles, and it might have just been the character that she was playing. So I was mm-hmm. a little concerned about how she would be able to pull off this role and the duality and between Estella and Cruella and everything that she does, her swagger, the fierceness, the looks, like everything was just so perfect. And then uh, there's an unsung hero that I feel like no one's talking about and maybe nobody will, but John McCree, who plays Artie in the movie, which is a new character that no one knows anything about. Every time he's in a scene, to me, he steals the show. And I think everyone should be paying attention to this actor. 
Okay. I will definitely do that. So some notes to take away, watch the nineties, 101 Dalmatians and also watch out for Artie. Okay. That is so great. And, and then of course, the one other thing that has to be mentioned is the soundtrack which is amazing. Yes, um, you mentioned it on your story. Uh, the, the the soundtrack is phenomenal. It's a lot of British artists from the 70s, uh, not necessarily punk. I was like, there are some artists that lean towards punk. Um, I find it interesting that the film uses a lot of the Rolling Stones, but then they didn't put that on the soundtrack, which is fascinating oh. to me. <laughs> interesting. Um, but but it is a really phenomenal soundtrack, and I highly recommend people check that out. And if you want to know more of my specific breakdown about the music, that's really what I tear into in my podcast. Being from the music industry, I have some specific hangups about things that were clearly missing the mark that they should have done in the movie. And if you want to hear about how the punk movement gave birth to Vivian Westwood and where that came from and how it's not addressed yet clearly the fashion choices in this film are inspired by it listen to the high voltage radio hour yes i can't wait to check that out myself and again all these links will be in the show notes and where else can people find you if they wanted to follow you the best places are instagram at sprinkled by magic that's sprinkled with the d as in past tense although everything we do is present tense but we just love to bring magic to everybody also i love clubhouse if you're on clubhouse find me at uncool rockstar i run a club called nerd tribe every sunday we have a weekly discussion about the latest in pop culture anything everyone's welcome on stage we'll talk about anything you want to talk about what you watched this week if you went to a theme park what that was like what you're looking forward to I just love to nerd out with people, but those are the best places to find me. You are doing a lot of really cool things, like things I didn't even know about. And I follow you on Instagram. So yeah. And also, if you just want to know about my acting adventures, I do post about it on our Instagram whenever I'm allowed to talk about projects. And wow. I love uh, when people play the game of Spotted. Uh, it's called Spot Chelsea. And, and all the time I get tagged and people going, oh, my God, is this you? I'm like, yep, you found me. <laughs> that is so cool. Wait, I definitely want to see some of those for sure. I love that game. That'll be fun. Yep. If you go back further in our feed, you can see some of our uh, the Disney Channel shows that you can find me on and stuff, too. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. And I can't wait to check out your podcast as well. And I'm so excited to see Cruella. I'm so excited for you to see Cruella. I just I, I'm really hoping hope more than anything that people actually do go and see this if movie theaters are open where you are I highly recommend seeing it on a big screen because one you might have forgotten the difference of what it's like to see a movie on the big screen two the fashion deserves to be looked at in that way (laughs) I was like and three we need to support the cinemas right now it Mm -hmm. doesn't just support the movie theaters and the employees but this is supporting everyone in our industry that works hours like 16 hour days five days a week to create these films and I don't want to see it die out so Mm -hmm. if you don't feel safe if you're not vaccinated and you want to watch at home on Disney plus I have no problem with that but if you are feeling safe and theaters are open by you I highly recommend you go and support your local cinema I will be right there at AMC at Disney Springs when this opens for sure thank you so much for having me Morgan it was lovely to chat with you listeners stories that you the fan sent in if you would like to submit your story to be read on the just some magic podcast please go to justsomemagic.com and click on the share your magic tab
This story was sent in by Shay. I've been going to Disney parks for years and I can't ever recall seeing Cruella DeVille as a character encounter before this particular visit. A few years ago, I was at Disneyland with my sister and I spotted, no pun intended, a line of people waiting to take pictures with Cruella. Now, normally I don't go out of my way to meet a character, but my husband and I have a Dalmatian and I wanted to get an interaction and a picture with our dog's nemesis. I waited in line and when I got to the front, I told Cruella I had something to show her. It was a picture of my Dalmatian and I told her, and you can't have him. She got all excited and asked if I named him Cruella, but of course I said no. Because let's be honest, she's one of the scariest baddies from Disney films and I wouldn't want to put that name on a poor puppy. We chatted for a minute and when we said our goodbyes, she told me to take care of his fur. Oh, I mean him. Take care of him. Nice save, Cruella. This was such a fun meet and greet and I appreciate the unique chance to talk with a villain from one of my favorite Disney movies. hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Chelsea and I also want to thank Shay for sending in her listener story as well. If you have a magical moment that you would like to share, please go to justamagic.com and click on the share your magic button. I can't wait to read all of your stories. Also, we have episodes every Monday and Thursday, so be sure to subscribe so you never miss a single episode. And if you enjoyed the show, if you could go over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review, it truly helps this podcast out and new people discover us. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, but until next time, bye. Bye.